0: Uh, <clears throat> as Pastor Mike has said, two weeks, you know, we're, we, uh, we'll have a we want, our goal is $100,000 for that Sunday. Those of you watching us online, help us. I just, I'm, I'm here. The Bible says that a guy had a friend come to his house and he went to his neighbor's at midnight. Which tells me you can get really brave when you're asking for someone else. And uh, I'm not asking for myself. But there are people watching us right now. You can give us $100,000, and you won't miss it. Yep. Oh, you'll miss it, but you can survive it. And it's just, uh, so uh, don't just leave all your money to your kids. Right. Oh, you're just going to spoil them and mess up their life. Leave them the business. Leave them the ability to make their own money, but don't leave all your money to your kids. It's legacy time. Invest in the kingdom. Let's put something here. I'm asking you to help us. Any of you can? Come on. Sorry. Thank you for giving this church family. of two weeks. Bring your offering on that day. And uh, we're on our way to $5 million. And we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And it's gonna, we're going to have us a new house. And it's going to be good. In Jesus' name. Sweetheart, I know you're watching right now. It's the best day of my life when I married you. And uh, I miss you. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And I'm glad you're with the girls, but uh, I would be more glad if you were here. But uh, you have made my life complete, and I love you. God bless you. I'm reading to you from Psalms 119, verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. And that's my subject title for you today, My Hiding Place. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm assuming you were like me. You had a place when you were a kid. I had the greatest hiding place that a that a kid could ever have. I, I personally believe, and I can't prove this, but... Uh, just knowing the whatever the surroundings and I had I I believe to this day I'm the only person that ever found what I called my spot and uh, I was walking by a creek I had a pair of binoculars and I looked up into a big sandstone cliff and I saw a perfect circular cave just a perfect cave that I had never ever had very familiar with that that bunch of rock I never realized that cave was there so I climbed up on top of the cliff I couldn't see it it was over this rock and uh, there was a big tree that grew up about three feet away from the face of that cliff and so I just would run and jump and grab the tree slide down the tree go into cave and uh, no one ever knew I was there no one ever found me that was my spot and uh I'm assuming you had a spot when you were a kid. I'm also assuming you are familiar with the account of a couple twins by the name of Jacob and Esau. Back then, the firstborn, Esau was the firstborn, Jacob was the second. The firstborn was always given special blessings and privileges simply by virtue of the fact that he was born first. And um, there were two powerful things that you had if you especially were the firstborn son. One was a promise. The other was the fulfillment of that promise. One uh, was, was called the birthright. Simply by virtue of the fact that you were the firstborn son, you were promised that one day... You would be the judicial leader of that family, just like your father was at that time. The second was the actual blessing that was conveyed on that son by his father before he died. Um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them blessed their children. Um, and this was much more than simply words of encouragement of an old man to his kids. But if you'll study the scripture, you will find that that blessing carried with it a prophetical aspect and what those old men said over those kids came to true. We know that Esau did not value these things. He literally traded his birthright, his place in line for a bowl of beans. I suppose he thought He could still somehow find his way under his father's blessing hand at the end. But again, he underestimated his brother. And uh, Jacob jumped at the chance to exploit not only the appetite of his hungry brother, but he would connive with his mother to gain the blessing. You are familiar with the story how they took skin of animals on his arms around his neck Put one of Esau's hunting coats on him. Grandmom cooked soup just like Esau did. Jacob comes in with that pot of soup. The old man rubs that hairy arm, and smells that old hunting coat, and tastes that soup, and he said, "Feels like Jacob. Smells like Jacob. Sure does taste her. Smells like Esau." Feels like Esau's, tastes like Esau's soup, <clears throat> but it's the voice of Jacob. So the old man was blind, but his ears were working really good. Nevertheless, he blessed Jacob. No sooner was the blessing given, Esau shows up with a pot of venison stew. It says in Genesis 27 and 37, he finally understood the enormity of what had just happened. Because daddy said, I just made your brother your Lord. He realized he was forever relegated to second place. He said in 41, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand and then I'm going to kill you. In other words, I'm going to wait till daddy dies but we might as well dig two graves at the cemetery because you're not coming home from the funeral. And uh, his mother got him a bus ticket out of town and uh, not really. He left and had to camp out alone. At night. This is Genesis 28. It's a powerful, powerful chapter, and there are many amazing lessons in this verse. Verse 12 talks about this dream, and he saw this ladder angels going up, angels coming down. Every other translation calls it steps, Uh, the NIV calls it a stairway. So it's not a ladder as you think, but it's a set of stairs. Angels taking requests up, bringing answers down. It's great. To remember that tomorrow night. This is not monologue, this is dialogue. There is traffic between this world and the throne of God. And uh, it's the introduction of a powerful word called Beth I've taught you about Bethlehem. Bethlehem is, uh, you know, house of bread. Beth means house of Beth El. El is a contraction of Elohim or God. So Beth El means house of God. And then there's the prayer of Jacob. He vowed a vow when he woke up. If God will be with me. Keep me in the way that I go. Will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on. So that I come to my father's house in peace. Then, then, not now, but then shall the Lord be my God. And for this stone, which I've set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will, I'll, I'll be a tither. Now there are people that believe that tithing began with the law of Moses and therefore ended with the law of Moses. That's not true. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. A long time before Moses ever showed up. And Jacob was a tither as well. Tithing is a law of life. It's not associated with the law of God. The Old Testament law anyway. It is the law of life. And, um, but there's a lot of ifs in this prayer. If God will be with me. If he'll, he'll give me something to eat. If he'll give me something to wear. If when I finally go back home he'll make sure my brother don't kill me. Then, okay, I'll I'll serve him and I'll, I'll tithe. I always assumed that Jacob was a young man when this took place. 16, 17, 18, just him and his brother, young kids. But I found something very, very intriguing in the Bible about the age of Jacob when he left to go to Laban's house. I know... According to Genesis 47 and 28. I'll read this verse to you. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. So I know Jacob was 147 when he died. And I know that he spent the last 17 of those years in Egypt. You know Joseph was the number two guy. He invited his family down they took over the fertile crescent, land of Goshen. It's known as in the Bible. Headwaters of the Nile River. And, um, or not the headwaters. It's where it literally dumps out before it goes into the Mediterranean. So it's very lush, lush farmland. So I, I know he was 147. Jacob was 147 when he died. I know he spent the last 17 years in Egypt. I, I, I know... That when I studied Joseph, listen to Genesis 37 and 2. Joseph being 17 years old. Joseph was 17 when he was sold by his brothers to the the traders that took him down to sell him as a slave in Egypt. And I know according to Genesis 41 and 46 that Joseph was 30 years old. And he stood in front of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. Pharaoh had this dream. He brought all his smart guys to him. And he said, I had a dream. I'm troubled. And they said, well, tell us what you dreamed and we'll figure it out. He said, well, that's the problem. I just, I can't remember the dream. I want you to tell me what I dreamed and then interpret it. And they said this, the only person that could do this is someone who the gods were with. Well just take out the S The gods weren't with Joseph But the almighty God Was He said that And all of a sudden the butler Said you know what I know a guy in prison You remember your baker Sir That guy told us the baker was going to die And I was going to get my old job back Here I am and the king said, well, go get him. And they bring Joseph, who has been in prison on a trumped-up rape charge because of Potiphar's wife. He said, okay, sir, this is what happened. Seven fat cows came out of the river. And then seven skinny cows came out of the river. And the seven skinny ones ate the seven fat ones. He said, yeah, 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 that's right. That's what I do. What does it mean? He said, you're going to have seven years of blessing and plenty. And then there's going to be a horrible famine of seven years. What do to do? You need to find somebody that can oversee the grain of Egypt and start storing it properly. And get ready for the famine that's coming in seven years. And Pharaoh said, well, I can't think of anybody smarter than you. Would you like the job? Here, takes his ring off takes his robe off, puts him on his horse. (laughs) Joseph lost a lot of clothes in his lifetime. Joseph had a coat of many colors that his dad made for him. He lost that coat. The Bible said that when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he left his cloak in her hand. Now, (laughs) he's got the robe of the king. Ladies and gentlemen, there are going to be times when you do the right thing, it's going to seem like you lost your shirt. But if you'll be faithful, you'll get the robe and the ring. If you'll be willing to do what's right. And here's Joseph riding through the city on the king's horse with the king's ring and the king's garment. And the king commanded everybody to kneel and honor him, which means somewhere in that crowd was Potiphar's old lady having a kiss the pope's ring the guy that she said raped her is now the second most powerful man in Egypt god ladies and gentlemen the greatest friend of truth is time time will reveal who's telling the truth or not seven years of plenty Seven years of famine. It was the famine. It wasn't when it started, but the famine affected Canaan to where Joseph's brothers had to come down to Egypt to try and buy corn. You remember that? Which tells me the famine had been going on for a little while. I'm going to say... It's the middle of the famine. I'm going to say three years for the sake of my lesson today. So, if Joseph was 30 years old when he was promoted by Pharaoh, and you've got seven years of plenty, that makes Joseph 37 Let's say we're in the middle of the famine the next seven years. Let's say three years. That makes Joseph 40 when his family came to Egypt. I know from the verse I've already read to you, daddy lived the last 17 years of his life in Egypt, making his dad, making Joseph 57 years old when he died, when his daddy died. So all you got to do is subtract 57 from 147. Which means that Jacob was 90 years old when Joseph was born. And I know when Joseph was born because Jacob had been serving Laban for 20 years when Joseph was born. So if he's 70 years old when Joseph's born... Or if he's 90 years old when Joseph's born and he'd been there with Laban 20 years. (laughs) Let's say, you know, you got seven years. So I got a seven year window here. It means that Jacob was somewhere between 67 and 74 years old when he left home. In other words, he wasn't some teenage kid. And what's amazing to me about this is he has this amazing dad and this amazing grandpa named abraham and yet he says if if god will be with me and if god will take care of me then i'll serve him which means he has lived in the home of these patriarchs for at least 67 years old he still doesn't have a walk with god himself So it's a myth that Jacob was young when he fled from his brother. But his encounter at Bethel where he has this dream is so powerful in so many ways. Because I want you to listen to his prayer when he woke up after he saw the stairway. Surely the Lord is in this place place and I didn't know it this is the house of God this is the gate to heaven. didn't know it he even said how dreadful was this place this is a powerful place and I didn't even know it but I watch this phrase the Lord is in this place now I've taught you for years that there are three words that would not be in our vocabulary if there wasn't God Omni is a word that means all, so you have omnipotent, omnipotent, all power, omniscience, omniscience, all knowledge, omnipresent. Did any of you happen to see the latest picture from the Webb's telescope yesterday? Go home and look at it. They found something yesterday that. Is frying their brain. I taught you last week. The description of the universe. Stars. Galaxies. Universe. Latin. You know one. Verse. One song. The astronomers say the universe is comprised of all of the planets. And all of the stars. And all of the galaxies. And then they said. And all matter. And all time. Albert Einstein theorized years ago that there were more than three dimensions. He said it's not just how long something is, how wide something is, or how high something is. He said there is a fourth dimension that nobody realizes. It's called time. We serve a God who describes himself as the I am. He just... He just am. <laughs> we serve a God in an internally present condition. He's presently in the past, presently in the present, very present help in time of trouble. And he's presently in the future. The word says he's the God that was, the God that is, the God that is to come. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, forever. Amen, it says. The God that was, the God that is, the God that is to come, and then it says, the Almighty. But this God has proven through time that he can take one person or he can take one place, one thing, and elevate them to a realm that exceeds all others. You see, there have been many men on this earth. But there's nobody like the man, Christ Jesus. He, the person, Jesus Christ, is above all others. In his early ministry, the Sanhedrin, which was kind of like our Supreme Court ordered these soldiers to arrest Jesus and bring Jesus to them. When they came back hours later, they were empty handed and the Sanhedrin rebuked them and and said, why don't you have him? Listen to what they said in John 7. Never man spake like this man. In other words, have you heard this guy talk? (laughs) Everything about Jesus is different. Jesus didn't treat birth like anybody else. (laughs) How many of us can say, "Uh, uh, our mother never knew a man, but we showed up anyway. He sure didn't treat life like anybody else. And boy, he sure didn't treat death like anybody else. You remember them old McDonald's commercials with Larry Bird and, and... Michael Jordan, through the window, off the rafters, off the bleachers, nothing but net. Whew, boom, 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 boom. Whew. Oh, yeah? Watch this. Boom, 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 boom. This is what Jesus did. He called the shot. Before it even happened, he said, go ahead and kill me. But three days from then, I'm coming back. Yes. <laughs> He literally said what he was going to do. It was not just a way of new way of doing things. It was, it was a new way of teaching. Listen, just pitch your mental 10 here for me, with me for 10 minutes. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of God bodily. This is what the NIV says. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in body form. Follow me because these verses are important. I want them to see this. This is what the message says. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. Listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. To wit, God was in Christ. Drawing, attracting, reconciling the world unto himself. I've been asking this question for years and I'm gonna ask it again. What, according to scripture, what is God? And the answer is found in John four twenty four. God is spirit. What is the son? It's not God the son, it's the son of God. A lot of difference. The son is flesh. Do you get it? You see, if God, if, if, the, if, the, if, if the son was God, then God died on the cross and God can't die. But if you understand that God is spirit and son is flesh, then you understand what the scripture is saying. God was in Christ. The spirit took on flesh. Because there's only one legal liquid that can redeem your sin, and that's the blood of Jesus. Okay. Credit cards have this shiny little piece of foil. It turn it blue, red, green. It's a hologram. That's the Greek word for when Jesus appeared to his followers after he had resurrected. The Bible said they thought he was a spirit. The Greek word is hologram. In other words, they thought they could put their hand right through him like smoke. There was nothing there. But he said, handle me and see. A spirit doesn't have a body like I have. Touch me. Ladies and gentlemen, if God remained in spirit form, he could redeem none of us. Because he had no blood But if God takes on flesh (laughs) and that blood is shed which didn't have an earthly father, that's why the Bible said we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. I got medical people here. How many pints are in an average body? I thought it was 18. I could be mistaken. Jesus has got just as much blood and had... 140 pound body, and that's conjecture. But it's different blood, it's precious. The Greek word is rare. (laughs) God is spirit, the Son is flesh. Do you get it? The spirit was in the flesh. Deity was in dirt. Deity was in dust. The father was in the son. God was in Christ. I don't believe that. Well, would you believe this if I showed it to you? Show us the father and we'll be satisfied. And the son said, I've been with you for three years and you still don't know who I am? When you see me, you see the father. I'm the father in flesh, Philip. Trinitarian theory said, God the father, God the son, God the Holy Spirit co-equal. Really? That's not what Jesus said in John 14. He said, I can't do anything by myself. It's the father who dwelleth in me that does the works. That'll mess with your theology. I'm trying to show you something. God is as great as he is, omni everything, has the power to localize himself. <laughs> to lo- he has the power to locate things. He, he has the ability to take something a, 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 and, and give it boundaries and lock it and locate it into time and into space. He said, you're not coming to God unless you go through me. I'm the door. I'm the life. I'm the light. You got that? God reconciling the world through Christ. In other words, if you're going to get a relationship with the spirit, you're going to have to identify with what he did while he was in the flesh. Are you with me, ladies and gentlemen? God has the ability to sanctify something, which means to set it apart from everything else. He did that when God took on flesh. He localized his spirit in a person. (laughs) And that same God not only has the power to sanctify a person. He can also sanctify a place. Ask people in the Christian world, what's the most holy place on the earth? Their answer will be Jerusalem, still called by many the holy land. I am here to teach you that there is a place more holy than Jerusalem and more holy than the holy land. Listen with revelation, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So here we go again. What's the name of the Lord? Jesus is not just a person. He's a place. A very special place. Over 200 times in the New Testament, you will find this binary phrase. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Romans 3 and 24, we have redemption. We have by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Listen to this verse. Galatians 3 and 27. For as many as of you as have been baptized into Christ... Have put on Christ. No wonder it says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Why? If you live after the flesh, you'll die. You with me? Over 200 times in Him. This is Detroit. Do you have any idea why has no one ever been prosecuted for the death of Jimmy Hoffa? They can't find a body. There's a Latin phrase called corpus delecti. I don't have time to parse it about the body of the crime. But unless someone talks, good luck trying to prosecute somebody on a hunch or hearsay. Anthony Giacalone, who was known as the mafia boss in Detroit, told a group of people walking across the street downtown years ago on their way to having lunch in the Renaissance Center, he said, say hello to Mr. Hoffa, boys, because that's where I put him, and the foundation of the Renaissance Center. Do you know that they crisscrossed Giant Stadium with ground-penetrating radar? because Jimmy Hoffa was buried in Giant Stadium. And they were so excited when they found a bump on the 10 yard line, but guess what? No Jimmy. There's a house in this, not far from here on Beaverland Street. They literally tore up the floors, hoping to find blood of Jimmy, because that was the house they said he was killed in. They tore up a concrete floor in a barn in Oakland Township. They have ripped up driveways, swimming pools, and farm pastures, but they haven't found him, and they never will. Jimmy's gone. They can't find the body. When I was a kid, my dad bought me a dog, little beagle, just a pup. I got him in July. When September came, rabbit season came in. I'll still remember my dad and I going above Castleman Run Lake to go rabbit hunting. There was this tar bucket, rusted hole in it. We had no idea the rabbit was in the bucket. My dad just kicked the bucket on a whim and this rabbit went, vroom. And the dog was so small, I had him in my hunting coat. He said, put the dog on the ground. I took that little dog out and put him on that ground and I'll never forget it, man. That tail started going, tow, 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 tow. and ta anyway. no college, no online classes, nothing. It was hardwired into that dog, man. He just took off, same place that rabbit went. My dad said, now here's what's going to happen. Rabbit's always running a circle. I'm going to stay here. You go down there by that field. If he doesn't go in a hole, he's going to come back around. One of us will get a shot. Right. I'm 10 years old. The gun's bigger than me. I got bored. It sounded like the dog was in the next county. He said, oh, he jumped them again. He's going to he, well, get ready. He's going to be in front of, the, front of the dog. Yeah, right. All of a sudden, in this freshly plowed field, I see a disembodied set of ears go. T-t-t-t-t. That's all I saw was the ears. T-t-t-t-t-t. And I cocked the gun and waited. Great shot. Six feet away. I grabbed the rabbit, put it in my little hunting coat. The dog hits the edge of the field. And comes right up the row where the rabbit was. Comes right past me. And runs past where I shot the rabbit and stops. And goes. And looked at me. And he made a half moon circle and he went back about 20 feet and he got in that same furrow and he went, ew, 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 and he looked at me and my dad said, show the rabbit to the dog. <laughs> so I reach in and grab the rabbit and throw it on the ground and it's like Napoleon Bonaparte, man, the dog goes... It was a great day. Do you know the Bible talks about the hounds of Bashan? David talked about them. Jesus talked about them. A prophecy about what would happen while he was on the cross. The dogs would chase him. Here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible calls Jesus our advocate. The Greek word is defense attorney. You got to have a defense attorney. There's always a prosecutor. Satan is the prosecutor. He's trying to imprison you. And this is what happens to Satan and his hounds. <coughs> Let me quote you a scripture in Colossians. Your life is hid in Jesus Christ. How would you like to be Satan? And you know that you saw them do all this stuff. You tempted them with all this stuff. You know they did it but they got a problem, you see? I made the wonderful choice to get in Jesus Christ. (laughs) Somebody had to die. He died for my sin. So the penalty's been paid. (laughs) He's got no body. If any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. How in the world? I used to call Ray Martinez Rotten Ray, and he was rotten. But guess what? Now he's a very, very integral part of this church. I could tell you stories about Jeff Woodworth that would make your... You, you, you just go, oh my God. But I'm here to use a quote from no less than Jeff Woodworth who told me a couple weeks ago, pastor, for Satan to bring up my past is like referring to where I lived two houses ago. I don't live there anymore. <laughs> Listen to what David said. Thou art my hiding place (laughs) Moses said in Deuteronomy 32 no one has a rock like our rock David said in psalms 92 he is my rock in psalms 18 he again said he is my rock and my fortress peter referred to him as the chief cornerstone jesus christ is the rock Amen. The revelation of who he is is the foundation stone of the whole church. But I want you to understand something. The rock has a crack because Moses said, I want to see your glory. And the Lord said, you can't see my glory. But I'll tell you what I'll do, boy. I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. Do you remember the rich man and Lazarus It said, and Lazarus had a place by his side. (laughs) I am here to explain something to you. That Jesus is much more than a person. He is a place. And so, look, listen, before we close, here's Ephesians 4 and probably verse 4. There's one body. And one spirit, capital S. You have a spirit? Angels are spirits, demons are spirits, but there's only one spirit in the Bible that gets a uppercase, a capital S. It's the Spirit of the Lord. There's one Spirit, okay? John 424. God is spirit. There's not a spirit of the Father separate from the spirit of the Son, separate from the Holy Spirit. It's right there, ladies and gentlemen. There's just one spirit. Okay, one. Call that spirit God, and you're right. But now listen to 2 Corinthians chapter three and verse number 17. It says, now the Lord is that spirit. So, whether you call that spirit Father, if you call Father, you're right. Call that spirit God, you're right. Call that spirit Lord, you're right. Call that spirit Holy, you're right. But now listen to Acts 9 and 5. While Saul of Tarsus is lying in the middle of the Damascus road, who art thou, Lord? What is the answer? I'm Jesus. Did you get it? There's only one Spirit. God is that one spirit. Call that spirit God, Lord, doesn't matter, same thing. But what's the name of the Lord? See, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather. That is not my name. The name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost is not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The saving name of our God is Jesus Christ. You with me? So now apply that to Psalms. The name of the Lord. What is that? Jesus is a strong tower. You can literally run into it and shut the door and be safe. This is more than about the name. This is a place that you can occupy. A place that you can have. Read Revelation 3. It said, I can open a door and when I do, nobody can shut it. And I can shut a door and when I do, nobody can open it. The Bible said at the Ark of Noah, God shut the door. And I promise you, they did everything they could to get that dude open and they could not get it open. The God that we serve can open things and he can shut things. I'm gonna make some of you really upset, but I don't care. I I don't know how many texts I've received in the last two weeks, not just from church people, but just people that I know. Yesterday, a wonderful man who oversaw the building of our house last year texted me, Harold, what is going on? What is going on? I am afraid for the first time in my life. I don't know what's going on. Are you ready for this? Are you big enough to receive this? Trump lost. Just let that sink in. That's what I thought you'd say. When Clinton won the election, the Bush gave him the keys to the White House. When Clinton left, he gave the keys to W. W. gave the keys to Obama. Obama gave the keys to Donald. But Donald wouldn't give the keys to Uncle Joe. You say what you want. It was shameful. One of the greatest things about this country is the peaceful transfer of power. Do you understand that Al Gore lost Florida by 127 votes? That's how far the margin was for George Bush to beat Al Gore Hillary Clinton won the popular vote she got more votes than Donald Trump but she didn't win in the electoral college and I can feel some of you getting irritated at me but I'm your pastor Gideon was about to go into a battle when he saw this massive angel and he said who in the world are you And he said, I'm the angel of the Lord. And he said, no, no, I'm fixing to go in a battle. I got to understand, are you on our side or their side? He said, I'm the angel of the Lord. You know what he was saying? I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. Oh, here we go. You ready for this live stream? There are so many people believe that Jesus is a white republican man. They believe that God is a white republican man. I remember seeing Archie Bunker years ago talk to his black neighbor. He said, "You know, God's like Santa Claus. God's white." And his black neighbor said, "I don't know about you, Archie, but in my house Santa Claus was black." And I know in this church, we got Democrat people who believe in social whatever, and we got Republican people who believe in fiscal accountability. Listen to me, Jesus Christ doesn't ride on the back of donkeys or elephants. Quit getting so mired down with the gunk and the junk and the political foolishness of this planet. Make fun of Joe Biden all you want. He's 78, he's too old to be president. Donald Trump is 76 right now. If he runs for office in 24, that'll make him 78. He can't be in office for another year, that'll make him 79. Your problem is, is that's your Messiah. Jesus Christ is known as the Prince of Peace. A prince has no power. He's in the wings waiting. That's why Peter said he needs to be king of peace. Quit putting all your eggs in the political basket of the next election. This thing isn't going to get any better. It can't get any better. But of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. You need more than a name. You need a place, a safe place, in the mess of this culture, in the mess of this time we're living in. Because as I told my friend yesterday, I said, this is what the Bible says. We're going to pray. Come. I've always tried to be positive. I've always tried to have faith and I have faith in Jesus and I have great confidence in the word. But I have no confidence in this culture. I have no culture in politicians. I have no culture in the government of this world. This thing is going down. you got to be attached to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You need to find a safe place in a very unsafe world. Because if you don't think they're coming after the church, you're out of your mind. If they're willing to tear down Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and God knows what else, who in the world do you think a Pentecostal is? I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you better get you a tough hide because there's some tough days fixing to come. You better make sure that you're in the cleft of the rock you better make sure you're in a safe place. You better make sure that Jesus is more than a doctrinal position to you. You need to get in Jesus Christ. How do you do that? As many as have baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That's why in John 14, Jesus said, ye in me and I in you. If you will get baptized in the name of Jesus today, you will be in him. But then you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You are in him by water baptism. He's in you by spirit baptism. ye in me and I in you. That's the only safety I can offer you. That's the only solid ground I can offer you. Everything else is sinking. Sand. stand. Stand. stand, stand. stand, stand, come with me. come with me. You ready? Everybody's in the choir right now. Everybody's going to sing. Hit it, sweetie pie. We are standing on high. Embassy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by international spirit law, this is not simply a place of the United States of America. This is the new Jerusalem. We are heavenly citizens. Heavenly rules work here. Heavenly laws work here. That's why we dress different. We're a foreigner. We are an ambassador. That's why we talk different. If you're going to be an ambassador, at the minimum, you got to speak two languages. you got to speak the language of where you came from and the language of where you're going. you got to be able to talk English, but you better be a talk tongue talker If you can speak Spanish, great but you better know how to talk in tongues. Amen. I don't care what is your first language. I'm telling you, if you're going to be an ambassador, you're going to have to be at least bilingual. I'm telling you here today, this is powerful, ladies and gentlemen. Get in the name of Jesus. Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This is a great deal. Take advantage of what you're being offered right now. Exploit this moment right now. Lift your hand with me, Lord Jesus. This is my brother and my sister. I may know them well, I may not know them well, but I know you well. And I know what you've done for me. And I know that I am no less, and I'm sure no more than what's standing around this altar right now. Father, if there's anything good inside of me, I'm asking you to take it out of me. Give it to my brother, give it to my sister. If I'm standing beside of someone right now, I think they're healthy, but they might be sick. Take healing virtue out of me and transpose it from my person to their person. If I'm standing by somebody, I think their marriage is fine, but their marriage may be under attack. I'm asking you, God, to take the peace that's in my family and transpose it to them. If I'm I'm standing by somebody right now who's got a daughter or a son that's terrorizing him and driving them out of their ever-loving mind, I'm asking you, God, let the prodigal come to themselves. <laughs> I'm asking you, Lord, right now. If I'm beside of someone, Lord, that is living in great fear and terror, I'm asking you that the love of God would come out of me, God, and that I would break the box and fill the room with the amazing aroma and atmosphere, that perfect love that casts out fear. <laughs> Jesus' name. Come on, church. Be the church. Don't get sidetracked with all this other stuff. Put him on the throne. Magnify his name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I crown you as king today, Jesus. I take you out of the wings and I put you on the throne. I put you on the chair. I put you in charge of my life right now you want me to date that girl, I will. If you say no, I won't. I want to date that boy, but if you say no, I won't. There are things that I want to do, Lord. I want to go to that school, but if you say no, I'm not going to that school. I'm asking you, Lord. I'm putting my life on an altar here today. This is what I think I want to do for the rest of my life, but I need to filter my ambition through your will. What do you want to do with me, Lord? what do you want to do with me what do you want to do with me jesus for all those precious people in this room right now lord drifting (laughs) oh jesus no sailor takes direction in a storm he waits until the clouds roll away and he can see the north star if i'm talking to somebody right now that's in a storm in their life lord i'm asking you to get on the bow of the boat of our lives. Command the wind to stop, the waves to lie down, the clouds to blow away. And for the first time in maybe a long time, I can finally realize where I am. And if I can figure out where I am, that I can plot a course to where I need to go. In the name of Jesus, bless these dads. Give them the courage To be the priest of their home. Bless these mothers, Lord. (laughs) Bless these amazing mothers in this house. Bless these children, Lord. Bless the gray hair, the bifocals, the trifocals, the people on the walkers and the canes and think that they are of no use and no value anymore. A year ago, Lord, you took my daddy, but before he left, he had this testimony. he pleased you and so I honor you today Lord. I honor you for the amazing wife that you gave me 42 years ago I honor you for the amazing daddy that you gave me 65 years ago and my dad like eating he just left because you took him so I honor you for my sainted mother that still is by my side I thank you for this church and I ask you Lord to enable us the Mormons have Salt Lake City and the gamblers have got Las Vegas and the gangbangers have got Los Angeles and the Church of God has got Cleveland, Tennessee and the Scientologists have got Clearwater, Florida why can't we have a Pentecostal city why can't we have a place Lord that's identified by the move of God in this place give us this city Lord Give us, this. <basin> Give, us this. <laughs> Give us this. Give us this. Give us this. Give us this. Give this. Give